time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience! Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form constructs, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! It seems that Iron Heel's Imperial Poffy has extricated themselves from quite a sticky situation. But that's not nearly as important as the fact that my insufferable bastards are currently suffering an ecological disaster. You see, Imanond still has trust issues with foodstuffs, so he has seen fit to blight the entire alkanut supply all across Penguidice Island. I keep trying to tell him that an alkanut is not a foodstuff per se, because nobody in their right mind would try to eat the flaky white flesh of this fruit. Since we primarily use the nuts for their alcohol content, they should technically be categorized as drink stuffs. Furthermore, Master Shenouda seems unwilling to accept the fact that he can use the alcohols within the nuts as fuels for his Bunsen burners and other, ahem, manufactory equipments. Ah, well. Here's Hera Laris and the Chip Dipson Memorial Action Town Criers to catch you up on recent events with Iron Heels Poffy. What's the news, Hera? Thank you, Romande. Tonight's top story recounts the latest clash between Iron Heel's Imperial Task Poffy and Morellian, the Sorcerer Prince of Malvalinda. A skirmish on the Seas of Madness may have imperiled relations between Malvalinda and the Empire, yet few details are available. We go now to the Wiz with those few details. Thanks, Pally! Well, that albino weirdo, the tall one, not the short one, well, he and his band of pirates started pursuing Iron Heel and his Imperial Pothy. And it's all because Porsche Fireleaf can't drive a freaking boat straight. So, anyway, that Morellian guy got mad and he chased the Pothy around until he got so tired that he just decided to summon a giant water demon to chase our guys instead. I'm pretty sure that after that, Morellian went home, had a chalice of wine, put his feet up onto his favorite slave, and listen to the new album that Romande just dropped last week. Gods, but he's dreamy. 
Morellian sounds like a flatulent layabout, if you ask me. Fie. Fie, I say, upon any being who uses sorcery to avoid completing their tasks with their own two hands. Uh, no, Pally. I think you got your pronoun antecedents all mixed up. I was saying that Romande, you know, the guy what I was talking about last before I said he, he's the dreamy one. Oh. My apologies for misunderstanding the whiz, but I still disagree. Romande is more a nightmare tempest of sound, fury, and hair-stiffening product. This is your first and only warning, Hera. Keep that up, and I'll turn your party into the Dipson Loris Memorial Action Town Criers. Well, maybe I won't do it myself. I suppose I could use magic to avoid completing this task with my own two hands. Bye. What was that? I said it's high time that we wrapped up this news report. Any other pertinent pieces of information, the Wiz? Oh, well, that's fine then. Yeah, the Wiz, like she asked. Is there anything else that my beloved audience needs to know about recent events in that world which contains those young kingdoms? Oh gods, oh gods, oh gods, Robonde just said my name! Robonde knows my name! Oh, Composure, the Wiz. Composure. Fine, fine. All right, Pally, keep your tunic on and don't get your burlap panties in a twist. My unmentionables are made of the finest silks available, thank you very much. Not burlap. Now cease mentioning my unmentionables and get back to the news, young lady. Let's see, uh... Oh, right! The whole reason the Imperial Pothy started running away in the first place was because of the Emperor, calling back all the task forces and strike teams and peregrine armies for the united defense of the holy city of Sandaskar. All right, Pally, I'm done with the report. Back to you or whatever, while I put on my best pair of bobby socks, cast mirror images, and try to get as many copies of Romande's autograph as I can. So what do you say, Mr. Romande? Will you sign our autograph books, please? After the show, dearies, after the show. You've only barely just thrown back to Dame Laris, and we haven't even given her time to throw to commercial yet. Speaking of which, uh, Hera? Thank you, The Wiz and Romande. When we return, we will go to the vengeful ghost of Adonska Rothgeld with this week's Ecto Ball preseason highlights. But first, a word from our sponsor. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats, quaff your libations, and adjust your listening devices that you may fully lose all senses of ego, desire, and self as you thoroughly enjoy your evening at the 20-sided theater. All right, lads and ladies and others. We gotta get ourselves back to the Empire before something terrible happens. Who knows? Maybe that magic book, what's a key or relic crano, will end up being the MacGuffin what the Emperor needs to save the holy city. Or perhaps it will be the strong arms and spirits of those friends and companions whom you bring back with you that saves the peoples of the Empire, friend Armor. Yeah, 
Or perhaps it will simply be the powers of friendship, cooperation, and true love that conquers this ongoing end. True love, Kartoffel. I don't think that anybody here loves anybody in that way. Except maybe Armor Cal and his hard-footed dire mouse. No, no, Felicia. Thornaroch and I may share a deep bond, but ours is more of a philadelphic relationship than romantic. But Cal, your relationship with your steed is highly romantic. But only if you remember that one of the definitions of romantic is a poetic or semi-historical adventure story, usually with a noble or entitled protagonist. Osric will back me up on this, won't you, Oz? Precisely, Calendar. No story cries romance more than that of a technomagically infused knight and his faithful stellar steed being frozen in time and awakening to defend and to explore a world that has forgotten the wonders that birthed the two of them in the first place. Wank, what are you twisting your face into that shape for? We're totally right about Sir Cal and Vornarok being the protagonists of a romance of grand proportions. I think you bards have been reading too many old scrolls full of poems and plays and archaic definitions. Everybody knows that for a story to have romance in it, the two protagonists need to meet, resist each other, slowly fall in love, have a fight, and then make up again so they can get married. I'm pretty sure that's the standard modern five-act play structure right there. I bet if Owen and Lottie have a fight and they make up, they can declare platonic devotion to each other for the rest of time. And that would count as a romance, too. Actually, Lottie and I have already passed through our period of conflict, thus solidifying our bond for all time. Vermeosaurs tend to move as swiftly through both physical and social situations, and Portia moves from the stern to the aft castle. Yep, I'm getting to be pretty great at corsairing my way all over the ship now. I can tack the sails, batten up the hatches, till the rudder, swab the decks, and steer the ship all at once. And drink rum! Can't forget the most important part, or at least my favorite part. Oh, right! And drink rum like those pirates taught me. Yeah, Portia, I gotta agree. You're getting to be an expert on running drunk all over the ship while doing your chores. Except for that steering the boat part, you know. Every time you run down to move something or make a little adjustment, then Vornarok's gotta take the wheel in his mouth. That star horse has got one powerful bite. Indeed he has. Back in my day, the teeth of the great steeds of the ancient star pastures were so strong that they could even bite through iron and poorly tempered steels. Yeah, Horse Cal, that's my point. I don't know if in the wheel can take much more steady guidance from your faithful steed. He's bitten clean through most of the handpins round the rim, and the diameter of the hub's down by almost two bites. Portia, I'll tell you what. You just go up there to the aft castle and drive the boat, and we'll take care of all your sailing chores. If we need help, we'll just get some of Morellian's pirates to come up from the galley. Sounds like a plan, Ormer. Uh, do you still want me to drink the rum while I steer the ship? That did seem pretty important to you. Um, so, steering a vessel under the influence of any performance-altering substance is highly dangerous and completely inadvisable. 
I don't know about that, Owen. Could go either way if you're trained right. Portia, is drinking and boating what them pirates what you trained under told you to do? I'm pretty sure it was. My sailing mentor was the Dread Pirate, Captain Falls Overboard. She always talked about something called state-dependent memory before we would start my lessons. She said it was a tradition handed down the Overboard family line for generations, starting with their grandfather, the Pirate Fleet Admiral, going overboard, and her father, Rear Admiral Man Overboard. And when did the rum get involved in this process? Oh, Captain Overboard would hand me the bottle right before turning the helm over to me. So that's what we'll do. You and me will drink some rum first, and then you'll take the wheel and guide us back to the Empire. I still feel a little uneasy about this prospect. Back home in Scotalia, the clerics of Bacar always admonished against a drink. Doubly so against a guiding a vehicle whilst inebriated. Triply against riding in a vehicle that is guided by a drunk. Quadruply so against getting your mules drunk, and quintuply against riding with a drunk wagoneer whose mules are also drunk. They called these the Five Commandments that will ensure you don't die before war breaks out. Yeah, Theo, but isn't Scotalia the home of Bear Industries who exports all that bear grass all over the plains? I heard that the Patriarch of the Church of War, the Baron of Keepfield, and the Chief Executive of Bear Industries are in cahoots with each other, and all the temperance movements in the kingdom are actually an attempt to make a land grab and to boost bear grass sales. I've heard those rumors too, but you can't believe most of what you hear, especially about religious officials, politicians, and corporations. And besides, those five rules are about driving a mule cart, not a boat. Portia should be fine at the helm of a ship, no matter her state. The leadership of the 20-sided theater would like to remind you never, ever to guide any vehicle nor to ride in a vehicle guided by somebody under any chemical influences. No matter whether that vehicle traverses land, sea, sky, the great void, or interplanar non-space. I am Romande Zwarfinde, and I endorse this message. Who in the hells was that? Um, so, the penultimate clause in his concluding sentence included a self-introduction, Sir Cal. Everybody knows who Roman Day is, but why was he talking to us right there? I thought only the giant disembodied voice was following us around. God damn it! Yeah, he found a teensy loophole. You guys can apparently hear him if what he's saying is honest and passes a certain threshold of social value. Oh, orcs use it made out of feet, cause orcs are fucking stupid. Ha <laughs> ha, love that song. Anyway, voice, doesn't matter if there's some fancy fancy knife ears want to follow me around. Let them, snow skin off my rosy ass. My mother Havan is merciful to us. Twilight Fireleaf, what has you done to her iron here? I don't know, Cartoffel. He matched me drink for drink for almost seven cups of the super secret triple distilled bear grass infused grog that Captain Overboard taught me to make. Then he started singing that weird orc song. But he was right about one thing. I should go up there and guide the ship since Warnerock's eaten half the wheel. 
Um, does anybody have any extra knives or daggers that I can use to stab into the rim to replace the handles? I think I got a couple extra knives right here somewhere. Um, the Imperial Health Management Council strongly advises against trying to drink and knife armor. Those pirates each carried some form of knife, dagger, or dirk until we captured them and they chained themselves to the oars. If you need some knives, Portia, the pile of confiscated weapons should still be right over there next to the hatch. Thanks, Owen. Okay, let's see here. I need at least two handles on the wheel, so uh, about here <gasps> and uh, here. Hey, Portia, you might need a few more pins on the wheel. It'll give you a little more granularity and precision in your boat control. So here, have a few more. Wank. You know, I'm really glad those pirates threw a net over you and tried to sell you off to that corrupt mayor. If they hadn't, then I would have never met my best friend, and we'd all be up the creek right about now. Portia takes the jerry-rigged helm, and over the next three days, she circles back and easily guides the ship toward the redstone archway near the center of the Sea of Madness. Scoria! It's a scoria archway, I'm certain of it. How are you still drunk, Wormer? It's been three days. We've still got a third of the keg of that crog with Portia mixed up. I drank the other two-thirds. As you draw close to the archway, the cows and the star horse are once again taken over by the Imperial Thoughtcast system. Where are those idiot mucks? Oh, the glowing crystal just changed from red to green. Finally! It's about time you guys leaped into action. <laughs> Get it? Leaped? Because I am heels from the clan of... Ah, forget it. You guys are no fun. Anyway, your next official task is to reach the Red Arch of Galathorn, where the Imperial Portal Man Sofortoon has placed an extraction point to the prismatic path. Holy now, you must return to Sandeskar and save his holiness, the Emperor. Look here, you shocking horse. I want to go back and save the Emperor as much as the next person. Well, well, maybe more than the next person if it's Felicia. She don't care about much. But, uh, what was I saying? I think you are confused, friend Orma. Vonarok does not speak of his own volition, but has been overtaken by the Empire's grand warning system once more. Furthermore, we cannot shave the Emperor, for His Holiness Emperor Nashtif the 27th first had all of his body hair removed about a week before his coronation, and the ritual is renewed once every fortnight in accordance with the ancient tradition of the tribe of Wath. What about the Emperor's beard? Beards ain't body hair, Theo. They're on your face, and your face is on your head, silly. Well, anyway, thanks for reminding me. We're gonna go shave the Emperor, lads and ladies and others. Well then, how do we open this door here for this uh, prismatic bath thingy? The only answer to Ormer's query is a thunderclap and a blindingly white light, followed by a long stretch of silent, tomb-like darkness.
After what feels like hours, tiny bluish stars wink into life and drift past your ship on the atemporal winds. The points of light are soon joined by an increasing number of terrifyingly beautiful colors, some of which you have never even seen and are just barely able to comprehend. Finally, after what feels like weeks, you hear a voice speaking directly into your minds. Let's see here. According to the calculations set over by the Wadwanja Thoughtscape Monitoring Bureau, you should be arriving at the non-dimensional trailhead of the prismatic path just about now. Alright guys, the path will take you underneath reality. Well, you know, underneath a few realities. But anyway, consider this a backdoor privilege from the Imperial Defense Council. Henceforth, you must traverse the plasmatic path until you find Sandaskar Portal Alpha 1 Mark 3. And, you know, don't get duped by any alternate Twixter dimensions or something, either. We'll page the L every so often and make sure you guys are still on the right track. Be seeing you! You open your eyes to behold a swirling, shifting, cavernous place that seems to pulse with rudimentary emotions. The empathic waves of the locale alternatingly embrace you as a soulmate, and then push you away, ignoring you as wholly unimportant. You look down to realize that you're all still laying on the boat, which is docked at a free-floating, iridescent road. The road leads in all directions and in no direction. The prismatic path is ever-shifting, but no matter the shape, a steady stream of shimmering portals always lines the walkway. Uh, where did that voice come from, and why were none of you freaked out by it? Indeed. Volnroth and I agree with Kalimdir. Any time an enormous, sourceless voice suddenly addresses you, only danger can follow. Excuse me, Sir Cal? What was that you just said against disembodied voices? Oh, right. Um, omnipresent company excluded. My apologies, Master Voice. But that still does not explain who just spoke or why you all were unsurprised. Uh, Portia... Whatever you put in that grog's giving me the worst hangover I've ever suffered. But as my great-aunt Grelly used to say, the only cure for a hangover is to get up and get to work so as you can afford to visit the local cleric. Nah, that voice weren't surprising, cause it ain't new. He's already talked to us before. That's one of them Imperial scribe mages or something. He's been keeping track of us for a while now. Then why have Cal and I never heard this young man speak thus far, eh? Um, so until this point in time, you, Sir Cal, and Vonorok of the Star Pastures had served as the primary Imperial Psychic nodes upon this plane. As active vocal conduits, all of your brain power is dedicated to the processes of connection, relay, and dissemination, leaving no capacity for you to listen to your own voices. Understood. No need to fear this new voice. So, if I have this correct, 
All we need to do at this juncture is to find the proper portal to return us to the holy city of Sandaskar. Well, do we have any indications as to which of these portals is the correct one? Just what the Imperial Wizard guy said, that we're looking for Sandaskar Portal Alpha 1 Mark 3. But I don't see any signage over any of these portals, so I'm not really sure where to start looking. Well then, we must investigate all passages between the planes, starting with the closest portal on the left. Sir Cal strides over to the nearest two-dimensional sheet of swirling energies and sticks his head straight through into some unknown reality. Hmm, this doesn't look quite right. The trees are certainly the correct color, but there is no holy city. Just a bunch of rats scurrying through tall grass. Wait, wait a moment. Those aren't rats. Ah! Sir Calandriel pulls his head from the portal, leaping back two full paces. An expression of confused horror disfigures Cal's face as hundreds upon hundreds of four-finger-tall orcs spill forth from the hole between realities. Now this is more to my liking. Hundreds of tiny, scurrying mammals who are too stupid to flee a major predator. Here, orky, orky, orky. Yes, that's it. Mama Felicia is just going to gather her haunches for a quick pounce. Uh, are orcs actually mammals? Most things with green hides tend to be lizards, which distinctly lay eggs. Also, ew. I'm going to use my half-celestial wings to flitter up a bit, so I am not standing waist-deep in a swarm of little orcs. Well, wank, orcs is people. Just barely, but they still count. And most people is mammals in some kind of way, so it's most likely that orcs is mammals too, even if they are green. Um, actually, green skin is the latest and least common of the orcine skin pigments. The vast majority of orcs trend closer to red or brown hues. The green-skinned tribes merely were the ones with the most advanced technologies and the hardiest immune systems, thus making them the most likely to survive raids upon the surface realms. Plus, Orc Moto produce milk to feed their young. Thus, they have mammary glands, which is the primary characteristic of mammals. This is all very interesting and academic, but my made-up-diem shield is not enough to hold back this flood of tiny orcs. Could someone come over here and give Vorrock a hand with stamping out these vermin? All right, Calendar. Let's help out our technomagically enhanced friend in his stellar steed. And how do you propose we do that, Oz? As we almost always do, Cal. We fascinate them. In, in stereo. stereo! Osric and Calendar take up positions at opposite ends of the prismatic path, striking up a tune to enchant even the hardest skull of Orklets. Orklets? Are we supposed to plug our magical devices into them to recharge their energies or something? Or are you talking about the infant offspring of an orc in a werepig? Wait, what? No, 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 no. I, I just mean that they're tiny orcs. Oh. Okay. You should be more careful with the needlogisms, Mr. Boyce. Meanwhile, 
I'll carefully take aim with this Battle 1888 device so I can take out some of these tiny orcs with the Celestial Smite! Wang flitters upward on her Celestial wings and takes careful aim with her reclaimed battle stick. She fires into the center of the mass of minuscule invaders, and a streak of purifying holy fire erupts from her weapon, exploding in coruscating waves on impact. Unfortunately, the tiny orcs just keep pouring out of the portal, and they are just smart enough not to run through the positively aligned flames. I don't know why you're all so perturbed by all of these bipedal green mice. So, maybe Lottie and I should show you how to take care of tiny burrowing prey animals. The cat and the dromaeosaur spring into action, chasing and corralling the flood of hamster-sized green skins. Felicia bats them from side to side with her front paws, occasionally flicking one into the air to let it pirouette for a moment before she slurps it whole into her gullet. Meanwhile, Lottie stuns a score of them at a time with her thick, saurian tail before scooping them up and killing the orklings by the mouthful. Excellent work, Felicia. What? What? What was that? Sorry, Owen. I didn't catch any of that. Don't bother me while I'm eating. I'd appreciate it if you didn't talk with your mouthful, Felicia. But that's beside the point. You and Lottie have gathered enough of these tiny orcs in front of the portal that I can drive them back through with a judiciously placed casting of Repair Vermin. Owen traces his hands through the air, summoning a visage of the tiny orc's natural predator. The little green barbarians panic and start scrambling over each other to retreat through the portal. Ah! It's a cat! Run! Alicia, why are there two of you? Wh which one's the real you? How could you not tell the real me, Portia? I'm the me who's snapping these tiny monster spines and leaving them at your heels. Honestly, I don't know why I even try to feed you people. Good work, my Imperial Posse! That's about half of them varmints down! But how's we gonna sweep up the rest now? Portia, you're our Corsair, so I assume that means, you know, tactics for herding rats off of ships and such. You got any good plans? Portia? Um, ow! Can I get a little help over here first? These little guys are stinging me all over. You turn to behold Portia being swarmed, scaled, and covered by about a third of the remaining orcwits. The halfling pirateist grabs frantically at the orcs who make their way up her hair, which is swiftly becoming a tangled nest of teensy green bodies. Um, technically, this type of organic clustering should be referred to as an orc king. Whatever it's called, I'm sure they won't like being doused in this tube of Sorfinde brand hair cream. My lovely locks will suffer for it until I can find another tube, but it'll be worth it not to have to comb live orcs out of my hair. I love that stuff. It is the strongest mousse known to all of Elfkind. I hear it is the very product that the indishevelable Romande uses to keep himself fabulous, even in the stormiest of weathers. 
but you need to be careful with it. I'm pretty sure there's a warning on the label that says not to get it into your eyes, ears, or other orifices. Uh, it certainly does count. Right here at the bottom of the label, after distributed by Bear Industries. And that well-hidden warning label is just what I'm banking on. These tiny orcs won't know what hit them. Let's see, just gotta unscrew the cap, squeeze it out, and apply liberally. Behold the eyes! Then burn! And why it gets so hard for move? Why giant double halfling hair now gets so stiff? What you say? Me not able for hear you! Me ears am plugged! Quick! Someone help me style this before the hair cream sets! Are you sure you don't want to comb out all the dead, dying, deaf, and blinded worklets first? Well, the hair cream sets pretty fast, so I was just gonna work them into the sculpture as best I could until the next time I can properly get a shampoo. Oh, cool! Here, let me help you then. Maybe we can style your hair into some sort of sailing ship. And all these little taxidermy orcs can be the crew. Or maybe you can style your hair to represent a traditional dwarven wedding cake. You see, when two dwarves love each other very much and decide it's time to start a little homestead of their own, it's customary to make a huge cake, decorate it with little moppets or figurines that look like everybody in the reception. Between the size of dwarf plans and the fact that all the wait staff gotta be on the cake since they're technically at the party, Dwarven wedding cakes tend to be pretty big. Yeah, yeah, I am here. But these are tiny orcs caught in Porsche's hair, not tiny dwarfs. Well, hell, I don't know. Maybe the two orcs while they're getting married are kind of cosmopolitan, or maybe they did it year abroad at Bloodbeard Pass or something. I'm just trying to work with what we got. What I do know is that we still got a mess of them critters that won't run back towards the portal no more, on account of Owen making that image of Felicia right in front of it. And the remaining orclets seem to be scattering in... two... four... eight... How are there eleven right angles in this non-plane? Even with my superior elven mind, and my techno-magically enhanced physiology, I'm getting a migraine just from looking at this place. Well, the soil is strange here, but I think I can root myself deeply enough to keep the rest of these climb oxen from fleeing. Kartoffel reaches out with his potato eyes, rooting himself in what passes through the ground in this non-place that lies outside of space-time and is made almost entirely of exotic matter. Fortunately for you guys, space folds in surprising ways in this place. So once the Slayer Spud has rooted himself, his expanding and exploring shoots don't actually have all that far to reverse before they erupt from the ground, entangling and halting every last cannon's minuscule orc. Good work, Kartoffel. Now them ruts are all stuck to the floor. Uh, anybody know what you're supposed to do when you catch a varmint in the glue trap? Indeed I do, Master Iron Heel. For before I was raised to the station of Wonder God, before I was even so high as a town god, I was known as Theo the Rat Catcher. If we were using proper glue traps, I'd say we simply needed to roll them back up and whack them against the ground a few times to put the little devils out of their misery. But since they are enveloped by plant matter instead, we might need a different approach. Cartoffel, my squire, 
Would you be so kind as to disconnect yourself from your roots? I don't want to hurt you with what comes next. Right away, Theo. You always come up with the best of plans in these situations. Like that time we were tied up by the Grand Vizier of Wumplunk, and he slowly lowered us towards that vat of boiling sharks. I thought we would never get out of that one. Yes, Kartoffel. That was a tricky situation, wasn't it? Good. It looks like you're all disconnected now. Everybody else, please help me roll all these trimmings up into an enormous tumbleweed. <laughs> me no like potato no more. Me no like human neither. Me won't go home. Me swear to great orc if me get home safe, me never eat potato or human never again. This would go a little faster if we had pitchforks and didn't have to do this with our bare hands. Either that, or if we could cast some magic to help. By the way, Portia, your hair looks amazing. Thanks, Osric. Mike and I decided to go with a bowl shape so that we could make my hairdo look like a tiny little arena full of diminutive orc gladiators. Well, now that we've got all these little orcs in a big planty ball, what are we gonna do with them? Are we gonna try to shove them back through the portal? Or maybe through some other portal? Nah, I got a better idea. We need a camp before we head out again, and I'm not sure whether it's gonna unlock another portal if and we shove something through it, like Horse Cal did with the first one. So instead, let's start setting up camp. Owen, would you care to do your part in the process? Right away, Ormer. Let me just place some stones around the edge of a giant ball of kindling. Here and now, I'll create flame! Great job, lads and ladies and others. Now he's just gotta rest up. We gotta rest. Oh, Barbara socks and smegma pockets, them tiny burning orcs stink! Visit the Twenty Sided Theater online at twenty sidedtheater.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imanand and Frimlock have established. You can follow the 20-Sided Theater at 20-Sided Theater, spelled with an R-E, the insufferable Roman de Zorvinde at Illustrious Row, Master Imanon Shenuda at Shenuda Necro Co., Thrimlock Lenanian at Thrimlock, Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit O-T-S-W. The 20-Sided Theater is a joint production of Fair Industries and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Caridwin Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, and Rory Quatrin. With special thanks to John Abenante for the use of Owen Romeo and Lonnie. Original Adventure by Kian Quatrin. Script Adaptation by Rory Quatrin. Engineered by Blake Parker. Music by Ben Briggs. Blackula Hunter. NWP 8861. Patashu. 
Picrosso, Stephen O'Brien, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20 Sided Theater. If you don't, I will hack into the Emperor's emergency mindcast system that I may puppet your fleshy corpse towards the closest Shenouda Organic Reclamation and Reprocessing Center. All well Vroggle exercises his right as king of your vocal cords and destroys them by forever singing that horrid song about the materials from which orc shoes are manufactured. Join us next time at the 20-sided theater. Well, my beloved audience, wasn't that another exciting tale of daring and heroism? But how can one properly and efficiently keep track of all the feats and foibles and daring do that one either surpasses or expects to come? Fortunately for you, Thrimlock Catherin is a master of pseudo-mathematics and astrological precalculations. Isn't that right, Catheran? It is not, Catheran! I've studied astronomy, the workings and movements of celestial bodies. Hells, I've studied that almost as much as I've studied the workings and movements of carnal bodies. Anyway, in such studies, I've worked long and hard to grab the perfect timekeeping praxis for which we now demand your voluminous remunerations. I couldn't have said it better myself, Catheran. But there's still one problem with the 16-moon calendar that we've been developing. What? Did somebody say my name? Sorry, I was cleaning the grid and the recently shed Argent scales from the body of my violin. If you let it build up, it completely ruins the tone. That's right, my beloved audience. Master Lenanian and I have scoured and scried over thousands of kingdoms to find the most radiant and beautiful elf in all the plains. That's right. For our new 16-moon calendar, we have selected the prettiest elf who didn't threaten Romande's tenuous and superficial masculinity as our pinup model, which obviously cuts out Miss Lorelei Moonscale. That's and I still owe her friend Kalora one boat. Oh, are you talking about that series of scry crystal photo captures that we took the other week? Or was it last month? I have such a hard time keeping track of this decimalized imperial timekeeping pattern sometimes. Yep, we're talking about all those pictures we took of you in those sexy poses in various states of undress. See, here's the one of you in the two-piece bathing suit, and here's you in a jockstrap. Here's you as the queen of the promenade. That sneaky dress looked quite fetching on you. And here you are winning the big ectoball game. Honestly, I think that most humans have problems with elven gender because the physical differences between the elves and sexes are so subtle. 
Although, come to think of it, the behavior patterns of elven gender are also rather subtle. Either way, we have scoured the worlds for the physically prettiest elf of a gender that most humans probably won't recognize without an advanced degree from the University of All Knowledges. And we have found them. Kalandir Ketharwan, would you care to give the final pitch? My pleasure, Romande Ketharwan. Master Swarvinde's beloved audience. I am proud to present to you the Calendar Kalapnaur 16 Moon Decimalized Imperial Calendar. Never again will you be late for an appointment. You'll know which days are your children's name days, and therefore be able to schedule that out-of-town adventuring business that you've been putting off. Anniversaries will be a thing of the future long before you let them become a thing of the past. Alimony payments will be able to loom over you from as long as a whole year away. Yes, my beloved audience. With the Kalendir Kelebnaur 16 Moon Decimalized Imperial Calendar, you will be able to plan every event from the month of the Two-Faced God to the Feast of the Crossed Mass in Tenber, all the way to the year-end months that we were too lazy to name and yet somehow still misnumbered. Yes, friends, you too can enjoy these 16 high-quality images of Cal Catherwa, draped languidly over various landscapes and objects, all with the stated intention of keeping track of what day it is. So, what's your favorite still image, Catheran? I like the one where they're suspended in that dungeon beneath the Grand Scotalian Cathedral of War and just barely covering up their naughty bits with all those chains. What about you, Kethawan? My favorite to shoot was definitely the one where I laid on my side across the nose of that dragon skull that you two found in the swamps north of Veret Keep. It was just like being home with Omar. For these titillating images and 14 more, pick up your very own Kalendir Kelebnaur 16 Moon Decimalized Imperial Calendar today. Me not have orc wisdom. Me tiny, mean, tiny brain. Uh, orc wisdom check. Four. Yep, you have no orc wisdom.